Give him a heater. Welcome to the Heater Podcast. I'm Dan Lewig. He's Corey Peeper. As we officially mark the end of the 2022 Major League Baseball season uh, with the Houston Astros, the question at the beginning of the year, who's going to be the last man standing? Uh, Astros, uh, World Series champions, uh, and the rest, as they say, is history. Uh, It was an interesting six-game series. We'll break down the... Uh, the full series reactions to, and also I like, do that in a way in which reviews, uh, like what did what was our preview leading up to that? Uh, how close uh, were we in that? Uh, uh, from the, from both uh, key uh, items, key players, uh, predictions, all that good stuff. We'll take a look at that, uh, and we'll kind of give you a preview of the. Uh, uh, What's the offseason going to look like from the, the Heater uh, uh, podcast standpoint? What the next uh, couple ones are going to be for the next uh, uh, fun episodes? For anyone that isn't a Houston Astros fan, you're already thinking of uh, March and April next year. Uh, how does that become a more promising spring? Uh, we'll have our free agency primer, our uh, top uh, 10 trade candidates, uh, and then uh, get into the uh, first mid-offseason power rankings before uh, giving a... a Christmas hiatus uh, into the into the new year, so that's what we're uh, going to be uh, breaking down here uh, within it. Uh, and and keep in mind, as much as we pause and reflect on the the World Series and close the books on the 2022 season, uh, you don't have to wait long uh, for 2023 hopes to begin. November 10th, that is four more days from this recording. The World Series just ended. Uh, was it yesterday? Two days ago? Yesterday. Uh, so just yesterday. yesterday, five days later, after the last game of the World Series, we are at free agency. Uh, players are, that are free agents are truly free. That's the uh, lockout for you. Uh, and we have, uh, uh, along with that, uh, there's already some major uh, signings for those that are trying to keep from getting there. We'll break that down at the end of the show uh, as well. There's a new $100 million man, a new nine-figure uh, nine contract in Major League Baseball that we'll get to. Uh, that keeps someone with their current team for another five years. Uh, so we'll take a look at all of it uh, and kind of give you a, a nice blend of uh, World Series recap, look uh, briefly into the crystal ball of the offseason. That's not that far away. Uh, but before we dive into all of that, uh, the Heater Podcast is brought to you by River Creek Popcorn for all of your snacking needs for baseball games and movies of choice and offseason excitement. Uh, come hungry, leave happy. You have two more cracks at it. Uh, before the end of the calendar year, if you are needing uh, your fix before uh, or during uh, free agency weekend, uh, you'll have to come on out to Reedsburg. If you are looking for your uh, hot stove fix or getting a chance to break down who is signed where uh, and get your Christmas uh, 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 snack in, you'll have a chance to do that as well. Corey, tell us about the, those two fun uh, opportunities. This weekend, so as free agency starting in baseball, I will be popping popcorn and hopefully trying to stay warm. If you're in Reedsburg area, go to Webb Park, turn by the swimming pool. We'll have some signs set up. We will be in an open-air pavilion selling uh, just the one size, large popcorns and large caramels, kettle, cheese. And $1 of each of those goes to the Wisconsin... Nonprofit, I guess, is what it is. Wisconsin nonprofit, 
which is hosting the disc golf tournament. That is why we're serving there. But you do not have to buy a ticket. You can just drive up to see me if you want and maybe watch a little disc golf if that interests you. And if not, just buy popcorn. And we'll be there. So we're going to go early because they're, we're trying to we're doing it for the disc golf. So they're going to get there early for their tee times. And so we're going to be there from 8 to 2, I believe, or 2.30, somewhere in there, both Saturday and Sunday. So Or until th- all things are gone. Well, We'll see. <laughs> if it's that busy, then sure. But otherwise, yeah. Two thirty. It's gonna. It's the highest supposed to be like thirty-one. This is outdoors, so uh, I don't know if I'll make it for more much more than that. But we'll we'll see. And then, what's the uh, uh, remind about the the Christmas uh, opportunity there for folks that maybe don't aren't coming to uh, Reedsburg this weekend, but want one more one more opportunity to get their fix in before uh, the end of twenty twenty two. So after this weekend, we will. Probably take off about 10 days. Look at look on the Facebook page, River Creek Popcorn. Sometime around Thanksgiving, we'll post the official dates. I'm sure the dates are going to be December 10th and 11th, or no, 9th and 10th. That'll be a Friday and a Saturday where you pre-order what you'd like. Regular popcorn, caramel cheese, kettle again, just the one sizes. You pre-order it. Uh, tell us what you want on Facebook or text us or whatever. We'll probably list our numbers on there. And then... Come to the house, and we will deliver it right to your car. You just beep the horn. We'll bring it out to the car, wish you a Merry Christmas, and go on your way. And after that, we will see everybody again in March, because if the weather's nice in March. But, yeah, this is your, that is your last chance for the year 2022. will be those two days in December. So watch the Facebook page. Well, while you still have uh, two more opportunities to pop corn, Houston is popping bubbly. Uh, and in uh, six. Hopefully not getting hurt this time, Lance McCullers. Hopefully he's not getting injured this time. Uh, and no walls to be smacked for relievers uh, uh, on that side. But the uh, Houston, uh, we set it earlier on as far as being the most complete team. Uh, if, you had, if you had the preseason pick uh, of the Dodgers in the National League, for being the most complete team ready to be there in the World Series, if you were picking American League, Houston was the uh, the the heavy favorite, uh, and they start to finish. There really wasn't a lull in, in what they uh, what they did from uh, model of consistency all year long. Uh, we said at the beginning uh, again that this was on paper the more complete team. Now, we thought that maybe Philly had a little bit more of a hot streak into it. Again, we go back in the last five years when it went to seven games. It was with teams that had just eked in. They were on a hot streak, and they ran that heater all the way to the a World Series championship. That uh, heater ran lukewarm uh, for Philly, uh, and Houston became the uh, champs in six games. What was your initial like uh, reaction to the overall how everything played out? I think that game five was the big one, right? Game five, that's the one Houston wins three to two. Uh, late, it was there for the taking. Late diving save by Chaz McCormick in center field. Big play there. Jeremy Pena hits another home run who was incredible the whole series. That's why he's the MVP of it. That's the one Schwarber hit him a home run, right? I think it was – Schwarber was awesome in the series. He had, I think, three home runs again, another leadoff home run. But if if Philly wins that game, right, to go up three to two, now I can say anything's in hindsight – I still think Philly wins it, but the big comeback from the Astros in that game, and that's that. The big plays, it was Trey Mancini was brought in as a defensive replacement in the bottom of the top of the eighth, maybe for Yuli Guriel, and he made an incredible play as the ball was about to bounce and hit first base. And then Trey Mance, or Chas McCormick made a 
incredible catch in center field to end the game. And I think that one kind of deflated him. And then yesterday it was Houston looked, looked really good. The Houston's pitching is so good. So, yeah, it was – it played out the, – the games were awesome, actually. Every game was great. I think there was one game that it was 7 well, nothing Phillies. But. Game one set the tone, right? I mean, that was uh, mm-hmm. to 10 innings. Uh, it was it was a back-and-forth battle that, for both. That one was 5 to nothing. Astros and Philly came back. back and won it, yeah. Uh, so that, was, that already set the tone uh, uh, for the series. And none of it captured that same magic. Game 5 came close. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it was still – because the other good, ones were just baseball. so dom- like Pitching The other dominant. ones, Fran, Fran Valdez looked incredible. We talked before we started down upstairs a little bit, and I know that there was some speculation in game two. He kept rubbing his thought, palm and rubbing the glove and sometimes speculation about the sticky stuff, and uh, maybe, who knows? Maybe he does. I don't know. It's but, that way in every uh, every series. There's also that zooms in on something, and mm-hmm. everyone thinks the same thing. It's, in, it's, uh, it's at least stated at almost every year. But when he's pitched, I don't really care. He his power sinker. He throws the sinker sixty percent of the time, and they just beat it into the ground or they strike out. It, it's awesome what Fran Valdez is able to do, and and he's just rock solid consistent. I I think we said that Aaron Nola and Zach Wheeler were better, and and I maybe still believe that. But Fran Valdez is one of the best fifteen pitchers in this game too. Like at let's, this point, you just got to say it. So let's start with what we for us. What did we have wrong in this series? And I'll be the first one to say. I thought that uh, uh, that I really had wrong with Framber Valdez as far as uh, he had that model of consistency and I feel like he had like a small bump. Uh, that was my my prediction for that that bump would continue enough where he wouldn't be as sharp. I uh, couldn't have been more wrong on that one after being right on a lot of things this postseason. I had that one wrong, uh, and he was the key factor more than uh, more than Verlander. He oh, was the oh, key wait. factor. Uh, for that pitching staff, and again, it goes to show how deep they are. That if 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 your first ace uh, wasn't being up to full ace level, uh, they had others who could step up, and Valdez did. Uh, and so that was uh, incredible to see him for both games, uh, decisive uh, uh, within it. Uh, and so I say, from the as far as what having wrong outside of picking Philly uh, within uh, of the obvious, uh, Valdez was the one that I, I had wrong. Reese Hoskins got really cold. I thought Reese Hoskins could carry him. Reese Hoskins hit, I think, 150 in the series. Reese Hoskins got he cold. He had a good postseason up to it. He did. He had a great postseason up to it. And, and Bryce Harper was still doing pretty well. Schwarber was still fine. He just is such a weird player that it's it's so hit or – it's so, like, hot or, or cold where it's it's one for three with a solo home run or it's 0 for four with three strikeouts. Like, it, he never strings together hits from the top of your order. And Jose Altuve got hot on the other side, right? Their top of the order nice got cold. If he had been ice cold, their top of the order got really hot with El Tuve and Jeremy Pena getting on base. It seems like all the time those two were on base. And then we've we've said how many times, you know, Jordan Alvarez, Alex Bregman, Kyle Tucker, like that right after you get those two on base at the top and it becomes really hard to get through that Astros lineup. And and that's really, I believe starting pitching for the most part was matched each way, right? Uh, it was pretty close. Yeah. Uh, not completely, but pretty close. The Astros threw a no-hitter. Uh, what's that? The Astros threw a no-hitter in there, yeah. even. It would... <laughs> but but then the bullpen. Yeah. Uh, and so, uh, again, if we if I had uh, had it wrong on which one would stay hot and then which uh, pitcher would be the decisive, I said if it was going to be Philly, it was going to be Nola. Uh, on the other side, it ended up being uh, Valdez, and he's the one who, uh, who had that. But as far as what we had right... Uh, we specifically stated uh, the nerves that we had outside of the, if it couldn't be the star power that drove it, Philly was extremely vulnerable. Uh, and uh, especially in the bullpen, that was better 
than what has been in previous seasons. That's not saying a lot. Uh, but Jose Alvarado, we were uncomfortable with playing too key of a role because of the inconsistency that he could strike out the side uh, or he could give up a bunch of runs without recording an out. He did both in this series. Uh, he struck out the side uh, in, in that first first matchup. Uh, and then the next two matchups that he had that I remember, Lisa, in the, the uh, games that were played, uh, one run, or I mean one out, and then a bunch of runs given up. He runs and the other two outings within it. Uh, they had to put him in key spots, and this is where I disagree. And I know when it gets to the postseason, starters play less and less. I mean, you even have like guys like Verlander who are the big, you know, they'll, they'll throw to their arm falls off when they're only going five. Uh, the game has changed completely uh, within it, and that works if you're deep enough to pull it off. Philly was never built that way. The hope was to get you needed to get six, six or more out of your key starters to not overexpose your bullpen. And to me, when they took out Wheeler uh, after five uh, within it, and then put, going after Alvarado with it, I don't care if they thought that Wheeler w- was getting tired or not. I would rather have a little more tired Wheeler than I would the third time seeing Alvarado in the series. I, I just don't like the uh, the matchup that was was done within it. I'm still a believer in, in the starters and. I've now watched, uh, the thing is, if that's going to make it a better matchup for him, I've seen plenty of times where, where managers get burned multiple times within this, where I don't see where the benefit always is of going uh, to that bullpen, especially if the bullpen member is not better than the starter, even if the starter is getting ready for third time through the order. Uh, and so that's where I disagree with how uh, how that was done uh, within it, uh, and Philly definitely got burned. I, I hear every every one of those things you're saying. I thought that yesterday's was the second time they pitched Zach Wheeler in the series. They had pitched him, I think, game one. No, that was Nola, I think, game two. And then they waited again till game six. So he was on pretty good rest. So for them to pull him at five and a third innings when I think it was a couple of singles in there and they were like an infield one. So to take him out for, for Jose Alvarado, who you, you mentioned, yes, he came in. But for the series, he had a, ended up with like a 10 ERA. That's... It's not right. You shouldn't have done it. That's that's comes back to bite you, right? This is the this is the same thing. We the big one was what two years ago when it was Blake Snell, right? Yeah, that was the same thing, right? They pulled Blake Snell for I don't was it, could have been Alvarado. Was he on that Which, team? Uh, it was for uh, uh, Nick Anderson, Nick Anderson, uh, who was who not seen since then. Who, who injuries <laughs> it just wasn't himself within it. Again, if you're going to take him on, somebody even questioned it uh, the night of uh, for the for Philly. Uh, a be- their better arm. If you if Strength if you're going to go the mo- yes, if in that key moment uh, when you're going there, put in put, if you're gonna go bullpen, then go your big arm uh, right there in that moment against the heart of the lineup within it. That's where you want that guy to face. If you're going to do it, do that. And and the the Rays did it the same way two years ago, and they went to uh, a lesser arm. They wanted still a different matchup, but they didn't go to one, their best arm. If you're Go all the way or don't go at all. You get a long off season when it doesn't work, right? You get a long time to rest those arms now. So anybody who says, oh, you had to do it, well, that's fine, but it didn't work. And so here we are, and look, it's a good year for Philly. It's a very good year for Philly. They should be happy. They got in as the final Both wild teams, card. Yeah, absolutely. Like, like, they got in as the last wild card. You certainly should have nothing to hang your head about here. You're basically going to run it back, I think. I don't think a whole lot changes there. So good year for Philly, but yes, absolutely Houston was a better team. Like we said it, Houston was a better team. Houston was the most complete team from the beginning of the – well, the Dodgers are – the most complete AL team. Even though the Yankees got off to that hot start, 
the Yankees were hot at the midway point, but Houston just slowly plugs along because they do it all the time and because they're, so they're able consistent. to replace people like Carlos Pena with who, the who, the World Series MVP yeah. and Pena. So I, and that's, again, we talked about that before and just highlighting it again just how good Jeremy Pena was this uh uh, this postseason. Rookie winning a gold glove. I saw this one online. Rookie winning a gold glove MVP in the league championship series and the World Series MVP. First person to ever do that. He's going to win gold glove MVP and MVP. Now he's, and he's not even going to win rookie of the year, right? He's going to finish what, fourth yeah, right? in this division like in, in the American League. He'll probably finish behind Julio and Bobby Witt and Adley Rutschman, I would assume. Like, And that's no, no slight on Jeremy Payne. It just shows how great the talent is in the young players that we got in baseball. And props to Houston's player development system that when rookies come up, they have them ready to contribute and contribute in big ways. Remember how fans were, fans, commentators, whatever, we're all like, Trevor Story's got to go to Houston, right? Somebody's got to replace Carlos Correa. Yeah. We got to get Trevor go Story back down to there. this past offseason. Like, Trevor Story, and I don't remember who all the other ones were, but I remember that being the big one where everybody thought Trevor Story makes so much sense. Versus and, next man up. And, uh, and guess uh, what? Jeremy yeah. Pena's cheap. Trevor Story looked like terrible. He looked so bad. And then he got hurt. And now, I, like, I'll say it, I have, I've had concerns about Trevor Story always leaving Colorado, and I'd rather have, you rather sit, who wouldn't rather have Jeremy Pena now, right? Like, trust your player development if you got it. And they've clearly shown, whether it's Jose Altuve, Alex Bregman, Jordan Alvarez, they know how to develop these guys. Think of the shortstops that have come into the game in the last one to two years, and the uh, hype that's been given to them, and appropriately so, Bobby Witt Jr. Uh, to uh, Wander Franco uh, within it, and I'm sure I'm forgetting another key shortstop uh, within it. Uh, but all those guys were more hyped than Jeremy Pena, and maybe individually uh, they'll end up with better careers, who knows. Uh, but as far as being able to contribute well, uh, to be an above-average regular right out of the gate, uh, can't always say that about some of the other guys. Franco had dealt with injury issues and stuff within it. Pena has been consistent and not flashy. Uh, he's not uh, uh, not going to be the best of the rookies that came out, but when they needed him most, uh, he was uh, absolutely there for the, uh, lengthening that lineup, putting another key issue where people focused on others or tried to pitch around others, and when his uh, number came up, he capitalized. Uh, and uh, uh, Houston, again, showing their... I, they haven't received enough credit in my mind as far as how they've been able to keep this going. We mentioned before how they've been able to replace stars or lose stars and keep on plugging. Well, that, again, only comes not just from... I mean, shrewd free agency and, and trades have been done. Signing of Milton Bradley, get the trade, and keeping for Justin Verlander. Like, they've made good moves uh, exterior, but it's it's the heart of it. Uh, is the player development that they've been able to keep on going within it. And Payne is the latest latest level and the reason why they're World Series champs. They also run – okay, here's the other advantage they have is they run like nine deep right now, starting starters yes. that you can trust, right? Like Justin Verlander, Fran Valdez, Christian Javier, Lance McCullers, Luis Garcia, Jose Urquidy, uh, and I feel like I'm forgetting somebody. who's Oh, Hunter Brown, right? Like the young – guy who's going to replace the next one like that's how many pitchers that you feel really confident in no other team in baseball has that much starting pitching depth that is like high end that high quality at this point there's some that would like to get there there's some very good pitchers but just extremely high end quality out of all those guys when they're healthy and the only one that's like a concern usually for that is Lance McCullers well let's talk that as far as the uh 
always ready to replace the next within it. Is Verlander back? That's the that's the key question for uh, uh for the Astros right now. It's Verlander, and then then uh, Brantley have gone for for injury at the end there. Do they do they just roll it back with him? Do they try to replace him? But let's start with Verlander. That's the key question. Is he back in Houston next year? Well, we were going to talk about free agency later. Here's my prediction: one of one of I don't know if it'll be him, Justin Verlander or Jacob DeBrown pitches for the Braves. One of them will go pitch for the Braves. That is my prediction. Now, I think it's probably DeGrom. But I could see Justin Verlander saying, okay, well, I won a championship. I He's proven it here. Now, I think that Atlanta is going to be willing to give these guys $30 million for probably one season. I don't think maybe DeGrom gets two or three, but it's not going to be long. And it's not that Houston's still going to be very good next year, but Atlanta's going to be very good next year too. So I think – I. I've got that down to a two-team race. It would be Astros and the Braves. And if I'm betting it, sure, I would say you know 70% he's back on the Astros. I'll go 85. I think I think Verlander is the is the re-sign that I think I could see that happening before free agency even starts. Uh, I think there's a comfort level. It keeps him at only two teams in his career. I don't know how, how much Verlander wants to bounce around uh, in the final part of, of his uh, career. Uh, but I think they have enough to... They're like... You're guaranteed to be back. I mean, again, so this leads to my next question within it uh, that puts it together. We talked dynasty uh, when we did the preview within it. And said the only way that Houston can be really in that conversation or to be able to fully have that, they had to win this one. You had to get to two uh, within it. And then you look at their model of consistency of how many uh, making it to the ALCS uh, within it. Now uh, two World Series wins uh, within it. If you are now, and and I want your uh feedback now that we've instead of previewing and wondering crystal ball has already moved us ahead to what's after the fact uh is this a dynasty do you consider it one uh and then also if, if you if you do uh and more if verlander does why would you leave one it if they had look they're going to go down in history as being one of the best like stretches of baseball that we've seen in, in this era of free agency now two and two and they've been to Four, right? They've been to four in the last half a dozen years here, and and they're two and two in those games. If you compare it to like you know classic Yankees, ten wins, like it's not that, right? It's not that type of a dynasty. It's not going to right. go down as this. At is least not, not yet. Yeah, not yet, right? Maybe, maybe Jeremy Pena is there and Alex Bregman, and they win four in a row. But right now, it is not that. This is not the Cincinnati Reds of the nineteen seventies with multiple Hall of Famers. It's a very good team. It is probably the equivalent of a modern dynasty. When was the last time we had a team that won this? Correct. We talked about the Giants, Correct. right? The Giants won three and in- not an old school dynasty, but a modern dynasty. Yes. So I'll say that modern dynasty, yes. Now it's not, but that's pre free agency, that right? But those other ones we talk about. So unless you're going back to '90s Yankees, right? When they built yeah. that the team within it, that's the last time we had late '90s, early 2000s. Like that was the last true dynasty in my mind uh, that we've had. Yeah, I, I agree. And so since then, it's. It's the Giants, and then it's the Astros. You know, one more in here, and then then you then you can start talking about it as being one of those best ones ever. And I, I wouldn't put it beyond them winning one more in the next two three years. That's here, the right? that's the next question <laughs> for you, uh, defending uh, uh, defending champs. Uh, are without knowing what happens in the off season yet, where do they rank in terms of uh, favorites to the teams that you'd pick in the AL? Who do I expect to be at least in the ALCS? Are they number one in your mind? In the AL, I think they're the. I think they have to be the favorites. Just 
even if you say you lose Justin Verlander, I said I can still roll out five pretty good pitchers out there, and I think they probably keep Justin Verlander. So I, I would say they're the favorites in the AL. And then it comes down to, I think, you know, looking ahead without saying what's going to happen here, but the clear three top teams would be, to me, the Dodgers, right, who we say every year, the, the Astros, and the Braves, right? The Braves are the third team, especially if they get one more pitcher. You can always say the Mets because they should be great, they should be excellent, and who knows what they're going to do, but – but those three teams, at least, when I look at them, you'd say, well, these teams should win or at least be competitive next year, be the so, favorites. So looking at the other dugout, uh, within, as, as players uh, stayed in the, uh, the locker room afterwards and reminisced on the season uh, w- within it, uh, is this going to be their, their one chance that got away? Uh, where do you put them for, for next year within it? Because the, the Braves, rumors are there that they're going to uh, be big game hunting it for a final piece since they've locked up their core at, at a, a good rate that they can still go for a, a top-end piece uh, to uh, to be the finishing piece uh, for them. Mets are going to spend. They already have. We'll get to that. Uh, do you go from World Series runner-up to third best in your division next year? Uh, where do you place the Phillies heater versus their ability to return? The problem with the Phillies is they were third place in their division this year, right? You got they are third. It's a we've said it all season. It's a very hot and cold team. It is an extremely hot and cold team. You can sit. I if you told all me that one the, year older next year. That's true. A veteran team. That's true. That relies on all these veterans. All one year older next year. Now that doesn't. I, I still think they're a top. Uh, would I put them in my top five in MLB right now? It would. It's borderline, it's, it's, right? They're, they're, yes, it's I would. Borderline. It wouldn't be top four. No. It wouldn't be top four. Could you make a case for number five? It's There's a you tier make thing, a case. right? There's like a tier break. Then you have like a, very, a bunch of very, very good teams. Now, the Phillies, here's the problem that I have with the Phillies. The Astros won the World Series, and you say, okay, well, where can they improve? They don't have to, right? They just won it. You don't have to improve on being the best. The Phillies showed we need to improve. So it comes down to, can the, can the Phillies get Kenley Jansen? Can they sign Kenley Jansen to get him to come in there? Because then, yeah, then they are, right? They're because what, that's what they need, right? You're not going to improve their lineup. I, I highly doubt they can improve their lineup a whole lot. I, for, you're, for Philly, correct? For Philly. For Philly. I don't see them going out and saying, okay, we're going to sign you know, Trey Turner to play shortstop for us. I'd be shocked, right? Could you improve? Could you add more starting pitching? Well, it's Nola, Wheeler, Suarez, and then some, still some question marks, right? Eflin's a free Eflin's agent. Eflin's a free agent, and I think Syndergaard's a free agent too, right? So rather than go for more offense, the question is: Do they do they find any money left to get at least a solid starter? I mean, they're not going to be in, in the Rodon sweepstakes. No. Uh, you're going to be looking at more of a second tier uh, type within it. I think they just pump money. Like, I think they should. Rafael Montero looked amazing for Houston. Yes, looked he did. In, their bullpen, Rafael Montero and Brian Abreu were absolutely lights out in the middle innings to get the ball to Ryan Presley. Philly needs that. Philly needs Rafael Montero as a free agent. They, I think Nick Martinez of the Padres is a free agent. Like some of those guys is what they need. And then I said maybe they do spend up for Kenley Jansen. They need once again. It got better. They need two more good bullpen arms. Like lights out. Turn the ball over to him and move on to the next inning bullpen arms that that the Astros have. Right. That the Astros have that. And we said that for the Dodgers though. The Dodgers need that too. That is what the Dodgers need. Those really good teams that can chunk away games that you shouldn't lose. I want one and one. I want one more quality starter. Doesn't have to be a lead arm, but a quality Quintana. starter. Jose Quintana. That type. Uh, and then, uh, and actually, that's a great fit uh, for he himself. I, 
a Martin Perez. That's another one. I think one of those like uh, crafty lefties uh, that has found a way to rebrand themselves for being a, a above average innings eater. Like that's the perfect type for them with that offense. They don't need to be at lockdown, just serviceable. Uh, and also a veteran that's been around the game that can do well and fitting into that lineup and what they're trying to do. And then one lockdown arm. Because the easiest thing to find at the trade deadline is a serviceable arm. Uh, so if you go as far as what do you need now versus what you can get later, you, you pay a massive premium trying to find a starter at the deadline. Uh, a little higher, maybe not quality, but how about Nate Evaldi? Throws hard, pretty young. Injury risk is the only thing I see there, but that's it fits. Uh, again, there's there's still stuff there. Uh, again, uh, they have to keep Zach Eflin. You have to resign Zach Eflin. I feel like, right? Are we letting Zach Eflin go? They would have the more internal numbers and comfort level to know that based on because it's always been an issue of, of him putting it all together. Uh, in the when he came out of the bullpen after health within it, his pitch mix was different. He looked nice in the bullpen. He now into the, a sinker is what he did. And so, do you like that? So it's one of two things. Do you like that pitch mix moving forward as a starter uh, with what he's figured out there, or do you want to convince him? To, do you have your your uh, late inning arm already in house if you resign him? I see, and, and people, he's going to get offers on both ways, so it isn't a crazy idea. He's going to get offers from teams based on what they liked how he came out of the bullpen. Uh, he'll get he'll get some relief uh, uh, offers. He'll still get some starting offers. So it's a matter of what he wants, but Philly needs to decide. Do they like that mix and comfort level with him as a starter or as a reliever and figure that part out, or are they better off going elsewhere? I, that's, that, that is that's the it. question, right? That's that's it. Look, Philly, you, you, the question was the original question was, is Philly good enough to go back? Sure, they are. I, if they the could core go is back. still good. The core, the core is, still, is there. still good. It'll be there next year. It's really hard to see that. And we said it before, like, they can win short series. It's really hard to sit and look at Philly and say they're a better team than Houston. They're a better team than Los Angeles. They're a better team than Atlanta. They're a better team than the Mets. I'm, they're a better team than I could probably come up with a couple others. Well, let's 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 do that just from the like because you look at the best way to, to do that is by the different uh, categories of the team. Offensively, are they as good as the other teams? Yes. 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 Uh, rotation. It's just not as deep as the other team. Houston's you need, you is need so one much more deeper. to get there, right? Yeah. You need at least one more to get there, and I don't think that's resigning Eflin. Uh, no. So, like, so you you no. have to you have to add one more or improve on him. That's one. Is the bullpen no? So you want to stay there. That tells you there's your off season, yep. right? You need at least one starter and one bullpen arm to say on paper that they can compete that way. Because if uh, could you see them uh, getting under ninety wins or eighty five wins uh, this next season? Yes. If that bullpen does not improve, yes. Uh, so rather than they don't need to be in the trade Turner sweepstakes, all this stuff is is nice for uh, for headlines and uh, and fun rumors. You do need a lockdown reliever. That's the number one thing they need to add. And then looking at another starter, such if you ex- want to stay in that top five uh, contention, they're such an extreme variance team, right? Yep. It's hard to sit here and like Astros under ninety wins. Hard to say that how that happens, right? I wouldn't take that bet. Right? Dodgers, same thing, right? You're saying no matter what, it's very hard to imagine them losing 90 games. But Philly, it's anywhere between 80 and 100 wins, right? Something like that. Agreed. And so, you know, 
Atlanta, right? It's hard to say they're losing less than 90 games. So they're a very high-variance team, which Once is why it, you just need— I would go 80 to 95 as I think about that, only because okay. I don't think they have enough of the bullpen to have that, that complete ceiling. Sure. But getting going on a hot streak and getting to the World Series again with what they have that way, we've seen them do it. Could they do that again? Certainly. That's why you need something that you can rely on, right? Yes. You mentioned Quintana. Like, flashy? No. You're not going to be— Johnny Cueto, is he flashy? No. But, like, these guys who will eat you innings and just be good enough— for the offense. I think that's what we, what, what yes. Billy needs. Just be good enough pitchers to eat innings, get you to the postseason, and you just saw. It doesn't take a whole lot. You're not that far away. Just get there again. And if there's one thing that we know about Dombrowski is he does not sit still. Uh, so, uh, he's smart. He'll know unless, what to do. He's smart. Unless he's, uh, uh, unless he's already at the end, which I don't think that's the case. I think there's still another one, two years left on what he can try to do uh, that means he's still going to make another move or two within it. So I think could Philly be a top five team in our power rankings at the in mid December? Most certainly. Uh, but more than Houston, they have to add to uh, maintain or to keep that optimism for next year. So uh, anything else from the World Series that you wanted to to highlight within it before we start doing a little bit of uh, off season news and set up for a preview? No, I talked about Brian Abreu. I wanted to make sure I got him in there. Lance McCullers, there's some talk about him tipping pitches. Just don't really care. Not really sure if I really care about that. You hit what you see. And, yeah, that's that's pretty much it. Houston's really good. Um, they're keeping everybody back. What about Trey Mancini? What do we think about Trey Mancini? He's the other one that he... I don't see him staying. So who do they replace him with? So And also, that goes into who are they replacing Yuli Gurriel. Uh, I, I think all, all the I don't above. I think they sign either one of those two to tell you this. Correct. Thing. They are going to be looking for a first baseman. Josh Bell uh, is definitely a name that has or been, uh, been targeted. I've come or, to the or a, in Chicago. Or right a Brayu. Yeah. Uh, and I think that's. Uh, they will look there before they look to resign Brantley. I think Brantley is the secondary piece. If they don't get either one of those guys, uh, bring him back. But as DH, uh, they're not going to be looking to bring him back. And the outfield, they're going to want to. At his age, where he's at now, it moves into that DH role. But then it makes, could you then re-sign uh, uh, Mancini uh, for first base? I think I think there's some secondary options and primary options, but I think they're targeting Abreu, they're targeting Bell. I think those are the top two options that they're looking at. Uh, Dark Horse, Brandon Belt. Uh, good defensively, uh, platoon bat, but good versus right-handed pitching. I could see that one. Uh, see that one there. I think it's Jose Abreu. I think Jose Abreu takes takes a little less money to go down there and try to win a world championship before he gets out. And he's the one the, I really want in Tampa Bay. So if I'm you look at like not, the, the underlying numbers, like it looked like a down year, but he still hit the ball as hard as ever. Exit velocity. Like, it he is just all still. It was there. 15 home runs versus 30 homers. Right. Yeah. That's it. everything else was there. The average was there on base percentage. There he would crush uh, it at the Crawford boxes too. Yeah, he would absolutely feast down there. As, as an AL, a fan of a different team, I definitely do not want to see that, uh, but it makes a lot of sense, and it wouldn't be that much of a, a payroll uh, addition by and large within it. Essentially, give the Milton Bradley money to Abreu, uh, and you're not even increasing your payroll. So we'll watch to see what happens there, but we are four days away from the offseason kicking into high gear, free agency being officially open, and you can sign Aaron Judge to your team by the end of this next week. The offseason does not sleep. We will move from one to the other. I guess one of the benefits of the the lockout is we move very quickly in transitioning from one to the other. Uh, And uh, leading up to this, 
you will see teams trying to prevent uh, their key players from reaching the, the possibility of batting eyes at other teams. Uh, and money bags at uh, money bag Mets have already wanted to eliminate the illusions of a star closer putting on your team's uniform. Edwin Diaz resigned today to a five-year, one hundred and two million dollar contract. Uh, if I'm correct, that is the largest contract for a relief pitcher in MLB history. He earned it, right? He had arguably, he's going to get Cy Young votes, and he'll deserve every one of them. He struck out okay, for the season. He pitched 62 innings. He had 32 saves, which sounds, okay, that's pretty good. Three and one, that's pretty good. Until you look at, like, the underlying numbers of this. 62 innings. He struck out 118 batters. That is a 50% of the batters that came out to face him, he struck them out. That is absurd number. Like, his FIP was .9, so his ERA was actually unlucky at 131. And this is a guy that, wasn't that long ago, that Mets fans were like, oh, we got to get rid of this guy. What if we got stiffed here? What do you mean? Like, oh, what do you mean this Jerry Kelnick got traded away? Look, he's got an incredible heater. He has a massive slider. It's almost impossible to get hits off of him. And I don't blame the Mets. That's They were not going to let him walk. I didn't think that he was ever going to leave. Now, I didn't expect a contract that big, but – I don't certainly blame them. If you told me that he was the best closer in baseball for those next five years, I'd say, yeah, yep, sure. Well, we haven't seen, it's been a number of years because teams have been very leery about handing out massive multi-year deals uh, to relievers because of the high variance that goes with it. Uh, This might be one of those that then resets the market a second time, but it's going to reset it a first time. All the other, uh, from starting pitchers to uh, position players, the market has reset in the last couple of years for what the both average annual value and long-term deals look like. Uh, Diaz was the perfect fit to reset the relief market. Uh, and that's what's happened, and what this means to me is you are going to see, outside of a couple of key relievers, you are going to see a staring game uh, between uh, relief arms that are in that second and third tier in Major League Baseball teams because it not only brings up the top value at the very top, but then, by and large, it should also bring up the middle-tier value of what these arms that we're getting, maybe 7 or $8 million before, now thinking they're 12 or 13 uh, so that's what a record-setting contract does and uh, what it causes for a ripple effect. So if you see uh, not a lot of relief pitchers signing early on, that will be the 100% reason why. Speaking of 100%, I went to Baseball Savant. He is in the 100th percentile in K rate, expected batting average, whiff rate, and expected ERA. He's only in the 99th percentile in chase rate and extension and fastball velocity. So uh, Only. It is, there's 96th average exit velocity, 97th percent chase rate. So, I don't know, that's like 10, 20 of the mark, like over half the markers on here. He is literally the top player in the game. So, it is an absurd season he had. I do not blame the Mets. No, it is a lot of money. Don't get me wrong. It is a lot of money. I like the deal for three years. Uh, yep. And I, four, number four and five will make me queasy. But so is every like 10-year contract that's mm-hmm. signed. You'll like it for six, seven. Uh, it's the last three that are the scary part. But that's, you kick the can down the road uh, long enough to uh, give yourself a chance at a, uh, at, at a title. They couldn't so. let him walk, right? Like, no. You could not let him walk after, what they've, after the year he just put together, after all they gave up to get him, was it four years ago now, three years ago? They could it's not a reminder walk. to be patient on trades, right? Uh, because it doesn't always look one way. Now, both sides are actually happy with how that... Well, I'm doing the Lindor trade is what I'm moving to with thinking of that. Uh, oh, but the... Seattle. Uh, Seattle's... Yeah. 
They're just really hope. They're really hoping Jared Kelnick looks good. They're really hoping Jared Kelnick looks good because that was the trade. Right? Different was- opinions of one year in, right? <laughs> and uh, now where we are uh, today. Uh, so it's be patient on on what uh, deals are at the beginning and what they can become. Uh, but if you had uh, Sam Hilliard uh, as the the first key trade of the offseason uh, on your bingo card, congratulations, Yahtzee. That is my uh, Sam Hilliard, another one of the types of players that Corey can't stand. Where, look, he is like... Well, he's from the Rockies offense, uh, oh, so well, that's number one. Beyond the fact that he's on the Rockies, he is the other type where could... If Sam Hilliard... Look, listen to this year that Sam Hilliard had in 2019 at AAA. 35 home runs, 20 steals, 262. You're like, everyone's like, wow. Just imagine, plug Sam Hilliard into Coors Field. You're like, yeah, this could be amazing. And then you get to the major leagues, and he strikes out 37, 36. Ooh, this year he got down to 29. Like At 29%, he's at least playable, where he got up to a 184 average, but he's some, he's he's Javier Baez, who's worse, right? Like He strikes out all the time. Now, he went to Atlanta. Like It's a really good team. I'm not sure what they wanted in him, but it is uh, – I just certainly did not expect Sam Hillier to be traded. Now, do we know what the Colorado got back in return? Considering it's them, I'm assuming they like gave him up for like a piece of gum or something. Right-handed pitcher Dylan Spain. Okay, I don't know who that is, and neither do I. They need pitching though, so uh, you'll take uh, any uh, scratch off that you can get to see what you so. what you luck uh, uh, into it. So uh, that's the first one of the uh, also today uh, within it. But uh, between now right. and Thursday, there's going to be more rumors. Sam Hillier is a does he have to go to the minors, right? I'm trying to think. Where does because they still have Acuna, Michael Harris, Eddie and Rosario, Mar- Azuna, Von Grissom, Eddie Rosario. All those guys play in the outfield still, right? So can't imagine that he makes the. Well, who knows? What, you never know. <laughs> what I am in in 2021, it was uh, career high 14 homers, 757 OPS, and 238 plate appearances. Uh, so he, there, he flashed uh, just a season ago. 36 percent uh, strikeout. Yeah, and that's, that's why the, that's where you're worried about the uh, him being able to repeat that with those types of numbers. Uh, maybe they see a way within a platoon or something within it that they like about it. I can certainly trust him getting better in Atlanta a lot more than I would ever trust him getting better in Colorado. But it does make me wonder again: what are you doing with William Contreras? Uh, if, if like adding another outfielder like this does make uh, what was already a roster crunch even more of one. So uh, it's, it, it's kind of a peculiar uh, first one uh, within it. Uh, we'll see. It can be a whole lot of nothing, uh, but it starts the intrigue. Again, rumors will be flying as far as what teams are going to be trying to keep their key guys off the free agent market. But this gives us a chance to uh, update what we're expecting uh, or to set the stage for how we're going to be approaching the offseason. Next week, uh, we will give our free agency uh, uh, top uh, free agents and uh, predictions uh, for that. So free agency preview next week. The following week, we'll do our uh, Fire up the hot stove uh, and get the uh, our trade predictions as we set up for it is December fourth if I have that correct that the uh, winter meetings begin uh, and so that will have uh, that's where all the major trades that usually happen in the off season not always we've had some happen maybe a little bit before and and maybe a little bit after but that's always the key week with a lot of big deals go down so we're going to do our, our uh, trade preview uh, in two weeks take a break for uh, uh, for Christmas. Excuse me for Thanksgiving, uh, and then come back uh, and uh, kind of just update where things happen. Of, reaction we'll do a few weeks of just reacting to whatever happens. Something will happen in the in the winter meetings. We'll do some recaps in there, and then we'll, December eighteenth we'll take a recess for a while. So the the eleventh we'll do a, our uh, mid off season power rankings, 
of where we see things. And then we'll be taking a, uh, a break from there uh, for uh, for Christmas and uh, winter time, and we'll uh, we'll update uh, maybe when we think the next one uh, might be from that point. But that's the setup for what's going on. We'll leave you with this since free agency will be underway uh, before we uh, get a chance to look at it, and there might already be some deals uh, by the time we come back. Who knows? We've seen it go weeks without even anything to start with, where it's a complete frozen tundra uh, to begin with uh, with free agency. We've also seen things hot and heavy uh, within it. So we'll leave with this uh, last question. What is your biggest free agency surprise that you'll predict? We've been, we've been uh, again, we missed the last one. We were close. We said it would be close within it. Uh, but we've been pretty spot on on our predictions uh, throughout the postseason. So we might as well try to see if we got one more good one in us. What's your free agency surprise? I already gave my predi- prediction about DeGrom or Verlander, but I will go with how about I think there's going to be a very, very strong market. I think there's going to be a lot of teams that are interested in J.D. Martinez. Coming off of a slow season, it was not the year. He's 35 years old, but this guy can still hit. And there are a lot of teams that are in the need for a DH. I think that we've heard the Padres for years they want a DH, but now they have one. But I think this is a good guy for the Marlins. The Marlins, we've talked about they need offense. They need some offense. They're so young. I know you need some veterans on this team. I think J.D. Martinez makes a lot of sense to go down to the Marlins. The other one is I think we're going to see some Orioles spend some. I think the Orioles are going to start spending some money this offseason. I think that this might be the time where they say, we're not that far away here. Can we pay up? They have a ton of cap money. Could they pay up and make some splash move that we didn't see coming? Like, Would you be shocked if Carlos Correa went to the Orioles? I'm going to go the Only other way. They, uh, they have a million great catchers. You, you, you had the you had the right to first name, Carlos Rodon. Sure, yeah. I I could see huge money uh, there uh, to uh, uh, with the the the, the Orioles uh, to have an ace at the top with all the young arms within it. That uh, is is one to piggyback off of that. I think the Giants uh, have the second biggest contract of the off season. Uh, I think it's going to be one of those shortstops is going there. Uh, okay, quick talk, because I don't, I don't yep. think any of these guys are going to happen in the next week, but let's just do some of these massive big names quick. The the three big shortstops. you got Trey Turner, Carlos Correa, Xander Bogarts. Uh, you could throw Dansby Swanson in there, but we're just going to keep it to those three for now. Correa, any any first predictions? We can sw- You can switch this next week, just in case this happens. Correa, I think the Cubs. That's my guess for Carlos Correa. You say you're saying or there's somewhere else. I'm going to say Giants. Giants. I, yeah, I could say. I still think. I know that there's a lot of talk that Trey Turner wants that is going to leave. I think Trey Turner. I do not think the Dodgers let Corey Seager go to let Trey Turner leave. I think they go right back to Trey Turner. I think the only way that they were interested in that was if uh, Aaron Judge truly was going to put on a different uniform. Yeah. I don't see any way he leaves pinstripes, and I don't see anyone that makes a, a more of a fit uh, for the Dodgers. Again, it's not about money for them. Uh, they'll resign him. That's not the issue. If you don't resign him, who are you signing, and and how would that be a better fit than what you already have? Uh, you already have the big boppers within it. You need your table setter. Uh, him and Freeman at the top of the lineup have been incredible that way. I I think that's a resigning. I I think as part of that, a, a big some of this is going to be a big dud because there's going to be a lot of resignings. Yeah. Judge ain't leaving. If Turner ain't leaving, uh, you're already getting to a decent amount of uh, of guys within it. How about uh, Xander Bogarts to the Mariners? about that mm. 
That's an interesting one. And I think and the I don't Mariners know. are going to spend on someone too. I, I don't know if they will be able to convince him to come there, but they're another team, right? Bogart scares me as far as long-term contract. Yeah, I, I, don't, don't, I don't, I don't, I don't. I don't think he's. I don't think he's nearly as good as Carlos Correa or Trey Turner. I don't Correct. think he's. As good. I'm not sure that he's better than Trey. I've said before. I think Dansby Swanson is extremely good. I'm not sure that Xander Bogarts is better. I think the. I, I didn't think that Carlos Correa was better than Corey Seager. Right. I said that last year. I don't think Carlos Correa is better than Corey Seager. I don't think that Xander Bogarts is. I think he's very much overvalued. I think he's taken advantage of a very very short porch in in Yankee or Fenway Park, right, where he hits a ton of doubles. Look, he's good. I'm not going to say he's not good. But just like I said with Javier Baez, is someone would you want to give Xander Bogarts thirty million dollars a year? No. Yeah, and I'm not. Would you be shocked that's, if he that, got that? That's how I'm out of a job in, in a couple yeah. Of years. Yeah. I think that that's a scary thing for GMs right now. This offseason, there's a lot of money that's going that's coming through, and, and there's a lot of contracts that are going to lose jobs uh, within a couple of years' time. I think that's that's where things are right now. Because even though this is the momentum, this is where it is. And you'll get uh, blamed if you don't do a big uh, signing within it, but owners won't take the the blame for that. You'll take the fall within the next couple of years uh, off a contract like that. That does not uh, work out. I'll go with this one. How about for the, the the biggest surprise for those that don't pay a lot of attention to uh, the names outside of the big names or with it, the guy that's going to get the likeliest or the unlikeliest nine-figure contract, Brandon Nimmo. He's an on-base machine. Teams love that. There is a It's a weak center field market. Uh, he has, I mean, as far as top of the lineup within it, the uh, in the top three uh, in on-base percentage, uh, he's young enough uh, within it. He's going to get a nine-figure contract. I think that's my uh, my free agency surprise. It's back with the Mets, though, right? No, no. Okay. I think I think he does uh, uh, move teams uh, uh, within it. Uh, there's some talk that the Rockies were really interested in throwing money at him, and they were talking about nine figures. I, I don't get it. Uh, but then again, they did that with Chris Bryant, so I, it, I, I, it's going to be is fun one team that within you, it. You start trying to predict what the Rockies are going to have, you're going to lose your mind. Because if you told me that the Rockies spent like $100 million on Wilson Contreras, I'd say, yep, that is the Rockies. I got my team for him as I was looking at uh, some other predictions. Brandon Nimmo, nine figures, Rangers. They have the they big do. boppers. They need the on-base percentage at the top, uh, center field defense to go like, I like I'll it. go Rangers. I like I like the fit. I, we've shown they want to spend money, so yeah, that'd be great. We'll see. Well, I, wanna, uh, I can't wait. We'll have again. We'll fully get down in, into potential suitors and everything within it next week. We'll see if there's any early uh, splashes that are made in the first uh, few days of free agency before we uh, uh, drop the next uh, next podcast. But uh, either way, we'll break down the, the latest happenings and our predictions uh, next week as we close the books on 2022. What a year! And get no ready next to year. a non-lockout offseason uh, to fun uh, with free agency, fun with trades. I think for, for baseball fans, if you thought you were getting a breather after the World Series, uh, sit back and be ready for a nice month of uh, fun uh, predictions and uh, spring dreaming because uh, the offseason kicks, uh, kicks in uh, starting next week, and we'll be right here for you to break it down. 